Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Leadership Conversations, where we have the conversations that leaders would love to have, wish they could have. And so, as always, uh, I'm Josh Reich, and I am joined uh, by my co-host, Casey Sees. How are you today, Casey? Josh, I'm doing wonderful, man. It's good to be here with you and excited about the topic that we're going to be chatting about today. I know, and you're uh, you're going off on another vacation. You're just like constantly going to the beach. You it's know, remote like, remote work is remote the way we work. like to refer to it. Yes, it's, yes. Uh, it must be nice to live near near a beach, even if it's Galveston. <laughs> even, if it's Galveston. Uh, even if it's a Gulf, it still a is nice. Tiny, and, little tiny waves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was one of the things that through this pandemic, Stephanie and I, you know. I, I've been working remote, even back when I was a lead pastor, I had other businesses that were, you know, in the cloud. And even with our team, to an extent, we would work remote a day or two a week. And so I try to build that lifestyle where I know myself and I like to focus and work hard, but I also like to change environments. And so it's one of those things, just learning about myself and getting to the place where uh, we're able to do that has been, has been a blessing for sure. Yeah. Well, and man, I mean, who can be mad about a beach? I can't. Some people, I have friends that don't I'm like jealous. beaches. I mean, they're, mountain, they're mountain people and yeah. like, I can't stand the sand. And I'm like, I can, and I will. Yeah. So I was born in Miami, Florida. So, you know, I think it's just deep in my core. Yeah. Well, I'm jealous of you. And, and so is everybody else listening today. Hey, so, you guys, today, God, God loves you. And uh, maybe one day we'll do a leadership <laughs> conversation, mastermind retreat to a beach house in Galveston, Texas. So I feel like we should record live there. I feel like let's record live. I'll fly you in. We'll do it, man. <laughs> I have great. a buddy that just got a beach house. We'll go to his beach house for a few days and just batch content. That'd be great. All right. Well, it's, it's live on the air. So, live on the air, so it's got to happen. You're, you're going to be held to it or else you have no integrity. I have none <laughs> if we don't do that. So, well, today we are talking about, uh, we are in the middle of the pandemic. I say the middle because I have no idea how long it's going to last. So I can't say that we're near the end. Um, maybe we are, uh, let's be hopeful, but we are at least somewhere in the middle. And uh, one of the things that we have been thinking a lot about, and you have as well as if you're a, just a smart leader, and if you're listening to this, then you for sure are a smart leader, uh, but how to come out of this stronger, um, how to come out of this for your church, for your business, uh, stronger uh, than when you entered. And so we are past, I think, the, uh, the feeling of having to pivot and churches have gone online. And so now hopefully you're beginning to think through um, how do I come out of this stronger? And so today we want to talk about three things uh, that we think churches and organizations uh, need to do right now uh, to come out of the pandemic stronger. And they are simplify what they do, rebuild, and digitize. And so we're going to just unpack those a little bit uh, for you today. So simplifying, rebuilding, and digitizing things that you do as a church or an organization. And so the first one is to simplify. Uh, most churches are incredibly complex. They, the larger you get, the more ministries you have, the busier your calendar is. And this is a great opportunity for you as a church, as a pastor, as an organization to think through, um, how do I simplify what I do? How do I pull back, um, do less? How do I think more strategically? And, and so Casey, you have helped uh, tons of leaders and pastors. You've planted churches, you've started uh, businesses. Um, why do churches right now need to simplify besides just the monetary side of things, you know, the stewardship side of things, why do churches and businesses need to simplify right now? What's, what's strategic about that? 
I'm going to start with a story. Back when I was a youth minister, early, early on at a United Methodist Church, great little church, great pastor still there. It's a church I came to faith in. Um, there was this organ in the youth room, like, like uh, a member of the church thought that every, every youth building should have a little organ in it. None of the students cared about the organ. Um, the sixth graders liked to bang on the organ. Um, but literally when I was an intern, I had asked the youth minister at the time, he said, what, um, I said, well, if we're not really using it, why do we have to keep it? He says, we have to keep it until that church member dies. Um, and <laughs> I, oh, I won't go into explanations. If anybody's been in ministry for a while <laughs> and you have those type of donors, <laughs> and if you're in that type of tradition where donors, donors matter, then, then, uh, then, then you might be able to fill in, fill in the gap. So, so the first thing I would say is this is a great time to line up the sacred cows and send them on to uh, the Rainbow Bridge, uh, as we like to say. The greener pastures. The greener pastures. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I'm a big proponent of the Pareto principle where it says 80% of what, or 20% of what we do tends to bring uh, 80% of the results. In the church, we like to say 20% of the people do 80% of the work, mm -hmm. which is unfortunately true. Um, but I would say is you, if you look at your, your core ministry offerings and narrow down saying, okay, let's say we have, you know, let's say we have 30 different ministries. Okay. So six are going to bring the biggest bang for your buck, almost hands down, I would say. Yeah. Four to what eight. What do you say maybe. to the guy who's like, but you know, those other ministries are helping people. Well, maybe they need to be parachurch or, I mean, you know, okay. And, and to what extent, I mean, I get it. Right. You know, um, yeah. it's funny. I mean, right. When I used to travel and speak and, and do evangelism stuff, um, I would go and they would cut my, my honorarium so they could bring a walk, rock wall in to the kid or for the kids, you know, they bring a rock wall in. And, and so they would say to me, well, you know, if, uh, if we could just reach one, it's worth anything. And I said, well, doesn't that apply to my honorarium? in addition right because you know i get cut for the pizza or for the rock well not, i'm fine for that but that that that's that philosophy of ministry i think is is really hampering and harming the church mm -hmm. of you know and depending on your theological background we can you know um you know we can go back and forth on that but but ultimately i would say that okay are we able to help the most people in the way that god has called the church to help in a way that is is most impactful. Um, just because things are good doesn't mean they're great. And yes. I believe the Lord calls us to really pursue that which is great. And certain ministries, um, yeah, they're helping people, but really maybe that's something that a, com a missional community or small group takes on as their own personal ministry and doesn't have to attach that to the church for ministry as well. Well, and I think, too, one of the things that a lot of pastors um, and, and probably even business leaders, we rarely take a step back to ask, what is actually working? What are the things that are actually um, helping the most people, bringing the most dividends, reaching the most people, helping the most people grow? Um, and, and so we just keep doing things. And so this is a great time to actually take a step back and say, OK, what are the things that we're that we're doing that we need to keep doing? Um, what are the things that are actually working? What are the things that maybe have run its course? You know, it's, it, it is sad when you have to cut something, you know, cut a ministry or a program, but, it, but it's also okay because not everything's supposed to last forever. Not every ministry is supposed to continue forever. We're, we're not using flannel graphs anymore. Right. Um, you well, know, speak for yourself, buddy. 
Well, that's true. You know, so. <laughs> I'm so talking to a guy that, that's he's, he's a decade younger than me. And when he was a teenager, he was changing out the transparencies on his church's thing. And then he's the one that as a teenager that introduced PowerPoint to his church. Nice. So there may be people listening. They're probably not listening to our podcast. If they're still rocking the flannel graph. If you are you still, are. if you're and listening you to this podcast, Hey, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're still currently using flannel graph and you could send a picture and you're in the United States to our Facebook page, I will send you a $25 Amazon gift certificate. Now do not go out and start digging up the old flannel graph in the basement. <laughs> I need to see it in action, social distance with masks on with a newspaper article with a date on it. And if you're still rocking it, just, just having a mask on would tell us that it's, yeah, that, that's my point. So <laughs> you need to have a newspaper, don't touch it. So <laughs> Right. But most churches are not still utilizing flannel yeah. graphs. You know, but, you know, one of the things that I think about a lot is I'll sit in a meeting at, at church and I'll look around the table and I'll ask this question. Is this good stewardship that everybody's here in this meeting? Right. You know, is this good stewardship that we're doing this ministry? Um, you know, and, and that's a question that I think as leaders we need to be asking ourselves, you know, and so this is a great opportunity to really simplify things. Um, you know, to even try experiments, you know, and, and as you're simplifying, you know, here's where the rebuilding starts to come in is I think as leaders, we really need to double down on the things that actually work. You know, we have so many resources, so many things that we're trying, so many different ministries that we're doing. Um, you know, we're, we're trying, you know, this evangelism thing and that evangelism thing. We're trying all these different, you know, programs that to figure out, okay, what are we actually doing that works? How do we double down on those? How do we, you know, build in the infrastructure that we need, you know, around those? Because the church of the future is going to look very different in this new normal than the church of a year ago. Um, you know, I mean, I've heard, I've heard people um, talk about how half of your staff dollars are going to go to digital church, um, you know, and, and whether or not that's, going to be a reality, it's going to be higher than what it's been for most churches. And so you're really going to be needing to be building an infrastructure and building teams and ministries that maybe you didn't have a year ago. And so this is a great opportunity um, to do that. And so Casey, as you're thinking about building or rebuilding things, I mean, what are some, what are some steps that leaders should be taking um, right now to do that well? Uh, I think the concept of key performance indicators, KPIs, um, is essential. And, and I don't want to, you know, everyone, you know, the trellis and vine thing is important here, right? Numbers are important, but they're not the only indicator, right? They're, we don't want to neglect the work of the spirit, especially in a church. But I would say right now, like, okay, just because something's doing good may not be the best KPI. Hmm. Okay. So the key performance indicator is I'd go back to your organization's core values, set of core values, uh, mission statement, vision statement, all those pieces and say, are are these things in alignment and how, how do we measure this, right? Because like, like we talked about before in a previous episode, you can give away a free car. You're going to get a ton of people there and maybe you can bait and switch them into the gospel. But by and large, really, it's you, you got to keep them with what you catch them with. And so as you evaluate an organization or a ministry or whatever, you know, what is our overall growth, um, you know, for evangelism, you know, what is a fully, what is a fully mature disciple of Jesus Christ look like to us, uh, for us in our context? And then how do we move people along that process? And then is this ministry effectively enabling or empowering people to do that? 
I think the church at times can handicap their people by by programmatically putting into place things that um, that that Christians, the church people, um, should be empowered to do on their own, right? And so I understand even the nonprofit structure and maybe having a facility. But I, I would look at key performance indicators, number of people reached, the amount of dollars spent, you know, uh, dollars per impact, you know, where, hey, we're reaching this many people and it's costing us $120, you know, in, in business, we call it customer acquisition and retention and look at lifetime value, right? If, if your average donor at your church per person is $1,200 a year or 3000 per year, and they, on average, they stay at your church for seven years, right? It's $21,000. So really you start thinking through, okay, now I know that sounds unspiritual and the Lord's not there. No, 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 no. Because ultimately, the organic work of ministry is if you're being intentional with your programming, you can then budget accordingly so that your outreach is working towards the ultimate goal. And so I, I just think it's an error to mutually or to, to bifurcate these things. Um, at the same time, I would say, um, you know, coming up with your set of key performance indicators so that because I mean, I know for me, I'm a feeler, dude. So I could go and have, you know, preach a sermon. I could feel like trash afterwards. And people were greatly impacted by the Lord or moved or experienced it differently than I experienced it. And so objective, you know, you know, feedback, subjective feedback, all of that's going to be very important. Well, and I think, too, with going along with that, I mean, one of the things with rebuilding is this crisis, I think, has really, really brought out what is not working in your church or business. Yeah. It has really shown you maybe some areas that you thought you were doing well in. Maybe you thought you were really great at getting people connected to your church and assimilated into groups. And then all of a sudden you, you realize, well, people actually aren't connected. Um, and so, you know, we're beginning to see a reality um, that, that maybe we didn't see before mm -hmm. um, that becomes a little bit starker in a crisis. And so the, the rebuilding time is a great time for a leader to say, okay, what, it, what is it that we thought we were great at that we're really not great at? You know, what things maybe do we need to put a little bit more effort into, a little bit more time into, uh, so that uh, we come out of this stronger? And yeah. so the last one is digitizing. And, and yeah. most churches have had to really double down on digital church, which I think is a great thing. Um, you know, I, 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 it's exciting to me that people are no longer arguing about whether or not it's really church. <laughs> um, you know, but really asking great questions of how do we actually engage people, not only people in our church, but people who are not connected to a church, which is going to look very different. Um, it, it, services are going to look different. You know, sermons are going to look different. Um, hopefully you're preaching shorter sermons. I know a lot of people aren't. I, I saw a church the other day that the guy preached 58 minutes. <laughs> I fast forwarded through most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully you're thinking through what does it look like to digitize? And so one of the things that I've been thinking through is how do we make sure that there's a physical option and a digital option in the things that we do? And so Casey, you, you spent a lot of time with marketing. Yep. That's your, that's your uh, wheelhouse. Um, what are some things that churches need to think through to digitize the things that they do so that they come out of this stronger and prepared for the new normal? There's a lot there, Josh, but I appreciate you asking about planify.agency. Uh, <laughs> no, man. Just go to Casey's new venture. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, on, on, the mark, on the digitization, I, I would think through this, the principles are all the same. It's just the mode and medium, right? 
but also, you know, I always like to approach how we serve our people as Jesus approached his disciples in John 13 by humbly washing their feet. He provided them exactly what they needed at the right time, even though they didn't fully understand to move them along their journey towards fully mature disciples of Jesus, right? And so as a church looks at digitization, and I just did a webinar uh, for our local chamber of commerce about marketing in general, and it's the same thing in, in a smaller town like ours where um, digitization isn't, isn't easy. Now, many churches have a podcast, maybe they've done some video, but I, I, would, I would back up and think through, okay, what are our top content pillars? Um, that's how I help, you know, organizations get started. You know, one is, okay, one big thing for us is outreach. One's discipleship, one's, um, you know, family type ministry. And then one is adult, you know, you know, uh, discipleship or men's and women's ministry, et cetera. Right. And then build your digitization around that, you know, creating online environments with, you know, video chat or with, um, you know, using using things to uh, resources to better reach people i'd also say that uh you know on your facebook ads and facebook engage facebook engagement there's a lot you can do to develop funnels to to bring people into church and i've done that for our church here in town where people connect online and then they're invited to a landing page as opposed to just the home page where they have an opportunity to immediately engage they can schedule their visit book their visit they can um, sign up for a text message thing. They can get, fill out an online contact card um, because really assimilation can, can actually be far more streamlined regardless of the size of your church through the digitization process. I'd also say, hey, take your, take your sermon audio and transcribe it every week. Go to rev.com or temi.com, T-E-M-I. That actually is much less expensive because it's artificial intelligence. And so it requires a little more cleanup, but then you have blog posts, you have, you can pull out quotes for Instagram and, and, you know, uh, Facebook posts, image based, uh, you can, you know, create devotionals or like my, my publishing company, lucid books, we take transcripts from sermons and help make them into books. So yep. there's just a lot of ways to utilize the digital assets you're forming, um, for long-term impact and use. Yeah. And I think, I, I think too many pastors waste their content. Oh Yeah without repurposing it for other things. And I would say too, with digital things, just try things. You know, we've tried at our church, we've tried a ton of things in this season that, that have not worked and then some that have. And yeah. some of the things that, that have worked have surprised us. Um, you know, one of my favorite things that we're doing now is every series, we ask people to text in questions. Mm, that's great. And then at the end of the series, um, on a Tuesday night, we do a live Q&A. Um, where I host it with uh, some of our teaching team um, and, and people will still send in questions on Facebook and YouTube and our online campus uh, during it. And it has gotten a ton of traction. It has proven to be one of the best ways for us to reach out to people who aren't connected to a church. And so our next two are going to be on race and politics. And so, you know, that's just been a way for us to really engage where people are um, on a Tuesday night you know, when people are just bored at home, you know, and, and it has been raw. It has, the questions people ask um, have been great. And, and so that's something that we experimented with uh, during this season and has gotten a ton of traction. It's something we're going to continue doing. So I would say just experiment, just try some things. Um, if something yeah, doesn't work. I, that's say, important, man, especially in the church. It's okay to mess up in a new time, man. Like yeah. I, I remember, you know, I, I'd worked with some elders in the past that it just was intolerable to make any mistake, to try anything new and make a mistake. And it's like, 
look, you're going to make mistakes. You're, you're, you're going to try things and they're not going to work. But I think that's how innovation dies in the church is that we become what worked for us back in, in ought 99 or in 99 or ought three, then we're, you know, we're not going to try anything different, but really it's like, Hey, you've got to innovate. You've got to grow. You've got to mature in what you're doing. And so yeah. that, that's going to be essential moving forward. Yeah. So those are our three things that we think uh, pastors, churches, organizations need to be working on right now. So interview, it's simplify what you're doing, rebuilding the things that maybe uh, you aren't as good as you thought they were or things that you need to be rebuilding. Maybe you need to be working on some infrastructure uh, within your organization and then digitizing the things that you do so that you're able to come out of this pandemic into the new normal stronger than when you went into it. So any final thoughts today, Casey, as we wrap up? No, I, I'm just, especially the business owners and pastors I've been interacting with, you know, keep your head up. This, this is crazy for all of us. I really think these three points will really help you kind of analyze how you're moving forward going into the fall um, and who knows what the future brings. And so we know who holds the future and we're going to hold on to that right now. Yep. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. We always drop a new episode on Mondays. And so we will see you back next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.